Welcome to Just a Jew in the College, a podcast geared towards empowering and inspiring Jewish college students. I'm Dossie Van, a sophomore at the University of Florida. I've realized that between trying to live an authentic Jewish lifestyle on campus, strengthening your campus community, and setting yourself up for success in your studies and career, there are so many challenges that Jewish students are facing. My goal in putting these conversations on the air is to not just highlight these challenges, but the ways in which students across the country are overcoming them or just making the most out of it. I hope that Bezrat Hashem, we can all gain some chizuk and support through these conversations. Thank you so much to Hannah Kaplan for joining me on this episode. Hannah is a senior at Binghamton University, double majoring in human development and psychology on the autism spectrum disorder track. At Binghamton, she is very involved in the Jewish community and has served as president of the Orthodox Student Board, otherwise known as BIMA. Outside of Binghamton, she's involved in several Jewish organizations, including CTEEN, NCSY, and Yavna on campus. She's very motivated to help people, especially the Jewish community. I met Hannah last year when I was paired up with her as a Chavrusa through Yavna's 25 for 25 learning program. On top of being my Chavrusa, though, at least five people recommended I get her on this podcast. So thank God we got her on, and I'm really excited for you to hear her thoughts on leadership, trying to balance giving to yourself and giving to others, and the different career paths that she's currently looking at. So let's get into it. All right. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. To start us off, could you please tell us a little about yourself? Sure. My name is Hannah. As Dossie said, I'm from Ridgewood, New Jersey. I'm a senior at Binghamton, double majoring in human development and psychology on the autism spectrum disorder track. Awesome. So... Can you tell us a little about why you chose Binghamton? I don't really think there was that much intention behind it. My junior year of high school, my friend from C-Teen, so like whatever, she like we go to the same show, not from my town, but a few towns over, told me that she was going to see Binghamton and then she toured it. She loved it. She thought the campus was gorgeous. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of Binghamton, but like, it's a good school. Like my friend's applying. Like it'd be kind of fun to go to school together. I'll apply. I went to visit junior year. I was like, this place looks like a parking lot, which ironically, now that I go here, there's literally never parking. So I don't know how I thought that. Um, But then when I was actually coming to apply senior year, I was like, okay, I'll apply to Binghamton. My dad lives in New York. I could get in-state tuition. That's pretty cool. And then when it came time to choosing it, honestly, I didn't really think much about the college decision. I was just like one track mind. Like, I just want to go to seminary. And I didn't really think so much after. Like, I was because my mom was like, Hannah, you need to go to college. And I agree, I need to go to college. Ultimately, I chose Binghamton because it's a really good school and institute tuition. And also, I knew there was a really big Chabad. I had no idea it was, like, a huge Orthodox population. Like, I literally had no idea about that until I got to seminary. I was just like, okay, there's Chabad and there's kosher for meal plan. Like, whatever, everything else, I'll figure it out. And then I came, I'm like, wow, this is a lot more Jews than I'm used to. Like there are Jews in my classes. That did not happen in high school. There are Jews in my classes. It's wild. So yeah. So because you particularly identify a little more with the Chabad movement, was it particularly of interest to you that there was such a big Chabad? 
Yeah, for sure. I grew up in a Chabad house. So, meaning like my family went to a Chabad. So when I was applying to college, every college that I applied to had to have had a Chabad on campus. Um, that was one of my requirements. So yes, definitely having a Chabad was important, but I didn't realize just how big the Chabad was. And again, how big the Jewish population is at Binghamton. How big is the Chabad? The building is huge. We have three floors. There's a mikvah, there's a shul, a baby drosh, um, a meat kitchen, a dairy kitchen. The dairy kitchens are pizzeria, whatever. That's just like the infrastructure of the building. But I think numbers-wise, to get a better picture, Friday night, we usually have about 450 students. Shabbos day, depends on the week, 250, 300. And then a lot of Chabad's will have like mega Shabbat or Shabbat where they try to get as many numbers as possible. We do Shabbat 2000. And last year we got pretty close to the number. I want to say it was about 1800 last year. Everyone in one room having Friday night dinner where a lot of schools would do Shabbat 360, which is a small Friday night for us. How do you fit so many people in one room? Right. So we don't. We're figuring it out. It happens to be Chabad does have a very big dining room and it's a lot of squishing and they're, they're working on putting better infrastructure in place to fit everyone, especially Friday night. Yeah, crazy. I mean, my Chabad house, Friday night, we usually have around 150 to 200 people. And it's not so squishy, but also it is a big room. And actually, I can maybe imagine it because on Pesach, first night, Seder night, we supposedly had like Rabbi told me last year, I said, Rabbi, there's no way we had 700 people. He says, Dossie, we put out 680 chairs. We just bought them. I counted myself. We put out 680 chairs and they were almost all filled. And I was like, whoa, that was when we did it that time, it was outdoor seating. So a little more space than the actual room we have inside the building. But it's crazy how to fit so many people in one space. Yes. Yeah. So what other schools were you looking into at the time? They're honestly like so random. I whatever. I guess University of Albany is not that random. Um I was looking at George Mason, um, NYU, not random at all. I wasn't actually gonna go there, but my dad went there, so I was like, ah, I should look into it. Um Maryland, GW, maybe Wash U for a minute. I don't remember. This was five years ago. You explained a little that you didn't totally know what you were looking for when you were applying to colleges. Was there anything that did stand out to you that you thought, I really need this when when I go to college? Mainly a Chabad. And also, like, I wanted to be interested in something that I was studying. So a lot of the other schools I applied to, I applied as a psych major. Binghamton, I originally only applied to do human development, which then I got to Binghamton. And I was like, this isn't really what I thought it would be. And I also feel like it's too broad. So that's why I added in the psych major. I kind of just like went for it. I, I I don't know. Like I didn't think too much about it. Like college was always very a very big deal growing up. I like, really didn't think that much about it. Were you observant at the time when you were applying or not yet? No. Like on the way, but I was not... Right. Okay. Next question. What are your career goals and what are you currently doing to get there? Okay. I don't really 
know for sure. Um, I kind of have two broad areas of interest. So one relates very much to one of my majors, psych on the autism spectrum disorder track. So I really like working with people with disabilities. And I've worked at like a bunch of preschools for kids with special needs. And I've worked at horse therapy places. So I think that's really interesting. Maybe a BCBA, something like that. I don't know. And the other area of interest, which doesn't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive from that like ASD side, is Jewish nonprofits. So obviously there are Jewish nonprofits that work with people with special needs. So I could do that or anything broadly. And I guess what I could classify as claw work or clay codish, just something for the Jews. I like the Jews doing things to further the quality of Jewish life and Jewish education and just Jewish experience is really important. I actually had a life-changing moment over the summer where basically I met this Israeli guy who, whatever longer story, I I worked for JLIC over the summer and he was this guy organizing like our Shabbaton Teal situation. And we were talking and he's like, so you're Orthodox, can I ask you a question? I was like, okay, like, oh boy, what's this going to be? This is going to be I don't know, whatever. I've got like being the only religious person in my family. I've got like very interesting questions, including like what I'm going to shave my head when I get married. So I was expecting a question along those lines. And he's like, so what are you going to do to save diaspora Jewry? I was like, excuse me? He's like, what are you going to do? Diaspora Jewry is dying out. They don't, they don't identify as Jewish anymore. They don't, they're not as supportive of the state of Israel. Like, what are you going to do about it? I was like, oh my God, you're right. What am I going to do about it? So something like that. Shout out to Moshik. He doesn't know he changed my life, but he did. Crazy story. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned. When you were talking about special ed, you mentioned a specific type of degree, I believe. Yeah. So a BCBA is a board board certified behavioral analyst. So it's research-based interventions in, I don't want to say changing, because I think BCBA and like ABA in general gets a really bad rap, but evidence-based ways of helping someone live a more fulfilled life. So if that's becoming more independent in taking care of yourself, if that's stopping a self-destructive behavior like headbanging, biting, et cetera. Thank you so much for clarifying that because there's a lot of students that are tr- still trying to figure out career paths and what where they could end up and what they might need to do to get there. So it's very helpful for different students who might be interested in something similar and don't know exactly what that degree path looks like. So thank you so much for clarifying that. Next question, how has your leadership in the Jewish community evolved over time? So from my understanding, your people tell me that you're a big leader in the Binghamton Jewish community. and But I've also seen you have certain not necessarily leadership roles, but maybe leadership roles, but really either volunteer roles um, and things like that outside of your campus community. But like you said, doing some sort of like claw uh, work. So start with the Binghamton side. And then if you want to elaborate on the other half of it too, that would be awesome. Do you mean my evolution as a leader, big adult or specifically in Binghamton? Either. Okay. So I think I'm a natural leader and I can touch upon that more, but like my mom is very like boss lady and thrives in leadership positions. And a lot of what she does for work is leadership based. So I think I came in with that and someone 
recently asked me what made me want to get into leadership on campus. And it was never really a conscious decision of like, I'm going to get involved in leadership on campus. It was just like, push out of course, I'm going to get involved in leadership. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I grew up going to a Chabad. So I kind of saw that side of things and saw how things work in, in terms of if you see something that needs to be done, you do it and you volunteer your time. So I remember within the first two, three weeks of my freshman year, I was already in the Chabad kitchen, like knew what was flying. I knew all the Chabad kids' names and a few girls I went to seminary with that were at Binghamton. They're like, wait, I don't get it. How, how are you just already so involved? So I think really I just have the personality that I just insert myself. And I found out when cooking for Shabbat happened. So I, I started cooking for Shabbat at Chabad. Um, or in terms of JLIC, I found out what JLIC was in seminary and I got close with a couple very quickly and and just got involved in in the Orthodox community and finding people to say Divrei Torah and, and things like that or random things that they needed done. And I also wasn't shy to do more of like the nitty gritty stuff. So I just happened to have a bigger car than the JLIC couple from my freshman, sophomore year. So very often they would ask me to go pick stuff up, pick stuff up because I just had more space in my car to do that. Or when Zusha came to Binghamton and I had more space in my car to hold their sound equipment, I went with the JLIC rabbi to pick the stuff up, drop the stuff off. So I think I wasn't afraid of just like getting nitty gritty, which I think is a really important part of leadership. And it's not always the Hannah Kaplan as president, which eventually did happen, but it was also Hannah Kaplan driving all over Binghamton, running errands. Now you got to tell us about your like official Binghamton leadership. Oh, fine. Something like that. Essentially where there is no person to do something, you be the person. So I was like, all righty, we're going to do it. Ends up, I, I loved being president. It was very, very hard, but it was very rewarding. I really feel like I made a difference both in the community and just in the people in the community. I worked really hard on empowering leadership. I, I think, I hope I did that because now, thank God, the board for this year is very strong and we have awesome, fantastic leadership. So that was my evolution briefly yeah. of leadership in Binghamton. I mean, it's actually really important. Like some people could not even accomplish putting together a single event but at the end of the day because they've empowered others to become leaders in the long term that creates so much more progress so I'm sure I'm sure you managed to get many events going in your time well not me my board I I, my philosophy was I'm not gonna like be annoying and be on top of people being like you must do this event you must do this event but someone on my board came to me and was like, I want to do this event. I was like, great, let's make it happen. How can I support you? And also something that I did, we had every other week, sometimes every week, we had executive board meetings. And I would start the first 10, 15 minutes of those meetings, maybe a little bit longer, with a leadership exercise. So a discussion, because I didn't want it to be just what we were talking about in the moment, in the now, but developing those leadership skills and having those leadership conversations that I thought were really important and would strengthen the leadership in the long run. Yeah. Are there any key pointers you think that are useful for students who want to be on a board position at their school? Like getting onto the board or when they're on the board? Doing when they're stuff? on the board. I think setting up, setting up goals and visions for yourself that are attainable. 
So right now, if you only have one learning event on your campus once a semester, for example, you saying, I want a learning event every day, that's that's not attainable. You have to be realistic with your goals and with your expectations and taking into consideration the manpower and the infrastructure that you have, but also setting goals that you really think will improve or will strengthen the community. And that's something that I tried to be really intentional about before my leadership as the engagement chair and as president. So before the school year started and also after the end of fall semester, I would evaluate my goals and also see what I did reach, what I didn't, and those goals that I didn't reach, figure out how to, again, attainably reach those goals. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because I am not always so consistent with this, but what I've often done since being in college is at the end of the week, usually right after Shabbos, I sit down, I write down everything that I was so happy about that happened generally over Shabbos specifically, but also if anything stood out during the week, I write that down also. And then after that, I write, okay, what was accomplished and what more is there to do and what should be my priority this week to try and accomplish. So you bring up a very good point. And that is definitely some good advice for anyone, regardless of whether they're on a board or not, just trying to figure out your general goals, whether that is in your religious observance and your growth on campus or or growing your community, or just if it has to do with school and your general personal life, it's definitely a key thing to do is to keep track of your goals and how you're accomplishing them. Right. And I mean, that is a value in Judaism. There is this idea of taking a cheshbon and nefesh, whether that be every day, every week, every Rosh Chodesh, definitely a little time people do that. I'm not good at doing that personally, but somehow I was able to do that for my leadership. So now to segue a little into some of the work you've done in Kuala Yisrael outside of your campus the past couple of years. Okay, so I guess the first thing that comes to mind is NCSY. I have, thank God, been an advisor for four years for Northeast, um, which is upstate and New England. So that's really fun. I'll go on chapter shop tones, mainly to Rochester. I'll do, go to regionals. Um, this past November, there was a, the way they my region did the fall Shabbaton, the fall regional, was they did 11th and 12th grade together, and then they did an 8th, 9th, and 10th grade Shabbaton with regional board and general board. So I was asked to come on that Shabbaton to do leadership programming for regional board and general board, which was really cool because I got to take everything that I've learned through leadership in college and bring it to a high school NCSY level. And really a lot of the principles were the same. Um, and a lot of the conversation that I had had with my executive board, I had with my NCS buyers, which was really cool and, and figuring out a way to make it again. So it was applicable to them, but really a lot of it was the same and also weaving in the Torah aspect. So I gave a sheer on leadership approaches in Tanakh and I used different stories and different people in Tanakh. I gave a, a workshop about burnout and I used, it was in Parshat Yitro, when Yitro comes to Moshe and was like, whoa, 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 what you're doing with his whole system of how you are the one that is in between the intermediary between Hashem and the Jewish people to adjudicate questions of halacha, you being the only one doing this is not sustainable. You need to set up people that you can trust that can help you out with this. So I brought that, um, that source, an idea of a delegation. So that was really cool. 
Um, I'm also very involved with Yavne on campus. That's, I mean, kind of how I know Dasi. Really started out as Chavrutas. But actually, I guess Yavne did set up our Chavruta. So, you know. Um, I what if I have an official role through Yavna? I started in their first year fellowship and kind of have just continued and done lots of things on my campus through Yavna. So I hosted an all freshman girls meal one time. I called it a chizuk lunch, meaning like you could be from in secular college no matter what anyone says. Um, and then just like random fun events. I've done a few, I wouldn't say national initiatives, but worked with people on other campuses to do certain initiatives like starting a Yavna podcast um, and just networking with other people, being able to talk about leadership with them, etc. I was going to save this for the end, but would you like to elaborate a little on this new Yavna podcast? Sure. Um, we, I don't know when this episode of Dossie's podcast can be released, but so far we have one episode and basically the idea is to continue the conversation because I think and speaking to a lot of people the best parts of Yavna Shabbatonim are the schmoozes that you have with people and it's always very like meaningful and intense because that's just the type of people that Yavna attracts as people who really care about Judaism about Jewish communal work etc so there'll be so many times where I wish I could continue a conversation but you know we have another program going on or the Shabbaton ends or speaking to other Binghamton fellows about the Shabbaton or just friends, other friends I have through Yavna about other conversations they had. I said, I always find myself saying, oh my gosh, I wish that I could have been a fly on the wall in that conversation. That sounds so interesting. So that's really the the goal of the Yavna podcast is to continue those conversations and let people be a fly on the wall of conversations that maybe they wouldn't have been part of otherwise. Right. It was definitely... 50% of the inspiration for this podcast because I guess I started this podcast in January which was right after going on the JNF alternative break trip with Yavna and at the time I was having this like mid-college crisis of like what do I do I feel super lost and what happened was I, after like five hours of like trying to figure out life, I just like sat down and I'm like, okay, like I just want to listen to a podcast. So I start searching through Spotify to see if there is a podcast on Jewish college students. And I was like, why isn't there one? This is so useful. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, it was also very much based on me literally just being with the Yavna group for the week before that and being like, whoa, these conversations I'm having with people are just so valuable. Like, you know, like you said, like to be a fly on the wall and to just be able to be in that conversation, even if you weren't necessarily a part of that conversation is so valuable. And between the two of those, that was kind of where the inspiration for this podcast came in. The Yavna podcast is very much tied to student leadership on campus and a little more of the Yavna framework, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you like this podcast, definitely check out Hannah's. Definitely targeting a very overlapping audience. And I listened to their first episode. They did a great job of it. Um, And yeah, definitely go listen. They'll hopefully have more episodes out by the time this gets released because this isn't getting released for a couple weeks from now. Yes. Thanks, Darcy. Last question. How do you balance giving to others with giving to yourself? Okay, I'm really bad at this. Um, But I think for me, I think there's a lot of talk about self-care and 
what is that really? What does that look like? For me, I don't think self-care is like a bubble bath and I don't know, a face mask. I think I gain a lot from giving and that definitely fuels me from my one of my favorite parts of the week is cooking for Shabbos at Chabad. And I think it's really nice giving back to the community and talking to people. I really like just just being in a being able to help and say yes whenever I can. Even one time that looked like I asked before before Sukkot, I asked the JLIC couple, hey, how can I make your life easier? And they said, make Sukkot decorations with our kids. I was like, great, we had a blast. I made so many chain link, chain link paper things for the Sukkah. Their Sukkah looked fantastic. Not me. And me and the kids. So I, I, I do think that a lot of giving back is also giving to myself and it does fuel me. I think really the balance comes in is knowing when to say yes and knowing when to say no. And I'm I'm not good at that at all. And it's definitely something that I'm working on. I think it's being intellectually honest with yourself of saying yes to as many things as you can, as I can, because that's important to me, but also not burning out because then if I'm burnt out, I'm annoyed. I am not a good in a good mood. That means maybe I don't have enough time to meal prep and I am not a good person when my blood sugar is low. I you know, eating well is eating healthy and well and being well fed is important to me. So also making time for that and just figuring out that balance, which as I mentioned, I'm not good at, but I'm working on it. Yeah. A lot of times the best advice we could give to others is the best advice that we could give to ourselves. Right. You know, the, the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and my mom Maybe. would say that all the time in high school. Be like, mom, you just told me that I can and can't do this, but you're doing that. And, or I don't, I I can't think of an example. And she'll say, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm like, mom, that's so annoying. But like, sometimes it is true. A lot of times when you're having a conversation with people, the advice you're giving them stems from the advice that you also need. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering that question. Even though, you know, like you said, you're not necessarily the best at balancing giving to others with giving to yourself but within that is the whole goal of here's a challenge here's something that someone else is also struggling with and how could we each like work to overcome that so thank you so much for elaborating on that and hopefully we all overcome that challenge I believe that is the end of this interview so thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing. You are the second student we're having on from Binghamton so far. And both episodes really focused on leadership. Matthew's a lot in the secular community and yours a lot more in the Jewish community. But to even have those two perspectives from the same campus of what leadership could look like is really special. And especially, you know, on a big campus like Binghamton where so many people can come together and do so in their own way is really nice to see. Um, do you have any last remarks for listeners? Yeah. So kind of touching on the last question, an idea I heard, I don't remember where, I wish I could give this person credit, but I don't remember. I think it was in terms of talking about Aliyah and someone was like, listen, it's okay to want to want to make Aliyah. Maybe you don't want to right now, but you want to want to. And so I think that can be applied in a lot of other scenarios. Like, 
if you are not good at something right now, right? So I said I'm not good at the balance of like taking care of myself and and communal stuff. But if that's something you want to want to work on, then that's a step. Because if you don't want to want to work on it, then you're never going to get there. I, does that yeah. – do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the wanting to want to get there is – it's not nothing. It's definitely something. And I think we can take that in Judaism. I was a, a madricha for a Chabad on campus program over winter break for women who largely have not really had so much exposure to Judaism. And we were talking about kashrut, and this girl was like – I want to keep kosher. That's something I want to do one day, but I'm just not at the place where I can do that right now, both in terms of her living situation and also her lifestyle. And I said, okay, but you want to want to keep kosher, right? She said, yeah. I said, okay, that's a step. So yeah, I think that's sure. a really, it's not in general, Judaism, leadership, et cetera, is not all or nothing. And I think that's a really powerful mode of thinking of that. It was so nice to have Hannah join me for this episode, but that's not the end. Each one of you are navigating college in your own way and have so much you could give to others. I look forward to continuing this dialogue with our next guest, and if you'd like to come on the show, please reach out to me through the email in the show description. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you could take something away. Until next time, Amir Hashem on Just a Jew in the College.